Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing out there? Holiday time's coming, so uh, we'll be talking more about that towards the end of the week. Question of the night, as always, that is up on our Loveline IG page, so weigh in on that. And I hope you guys are taking some time off for the holiday. If you can, please do so. And what I mean by that is not time to uh, do more labor emotionally or physically by, you know, setting up, running around, doing errands, cleaning. I mean, take some time off where you are doing nothing but resting and engaging in things that give you pleasure and joy, whether that's napping, reading, going for a walk, watching movies, laying in the tub, whatever that means for you. For me, that means a lot of reading. One of my favorite things to do. It's funny when I tell people that I went to a coffee shop, because here in LA we have outdoor coffee shops where you can socially distance, wear your mask, sit outdoors. It's quite stunning. And uh, some people are like, oh wow, you work a lot. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I, I sometimes have one or two days off only a month. So I'm definitely trying to do my own work of, like I've said, saying no to taking on anything else for the rest of the year. Like my schedule's full, taking on nothing more. Uh, definitely taking a huge vacation at the end of this year. But They'll say, wow, that's so much work. And I'll say, no, that's actually very nourishing and rejuvenating for me. Reading for me is an escape. It's a distraction. It's also transformative. And I find transformative experiences very, very much rooted in self-care for me. You know, I really like kind of having my mind expanded, having my mind challenged, but there's also something very soothing and meditative in it. People talk about meditation. They think that that means you have to sit in the lotus position silently. And there's so many different ways to practice meditation because you have to understand what the goal of meditation is, right? It's about being present. It's about being uh, less attached and connected and controlled by maybe thoughts or emotions. It's also though, more importantly, in my mind as a therapist, what I care most about is how does it impact your mental and physical health? And it's about anything that really soothes your nervous system. That's really what I'm looking for. And for me, reading is just one of the most powerful ways to do that. So consider things like that, going for a walk, laying in your bed, listening to music, walking around, listening to music, all of that is a form of meditation. So again, you don't have to sit there silently. Also for me, working out, going to the gym was a very meditative self-care thing for me. I had to kind of distance from gym culture. It's quite toxic at times at the gym where people are overly focused on aesthetics and it can get very elitist and body shaming, but I'd put on my headphones, keep my head down and kind of just zone out. And so for me, it was stunning. So I've been trying to do home workouts because again, we still want to move our bodies. Exercise and movement are important and uh, got to get it in however you can. And there's so many ways to do it. Exercise doesn't have to make you miserable. You don't have to sweat. It doesn't, you know, I don't agree with no pain, no gain. We're not trying to gain anything. <laughs> We're just trying to get our heart rate up and move our bodies. And so it should be rooted in things that are fun, whether it's dancing. Again, I've told you, I have clients that <laughs> told me they were roller skating, hula hooping. I mean, there's so many ways to do it. You just got to move your body. 
you know. But I wanted to take a quick moment just to talk about the safety of the holidays. I know a lot of people are, are into gift giving. And I wanted to just start by saying it's okay this year to not give gifts, whether not feeling safe going out purchasing things, maybe you're not financially secure, make it okay to not receive gifts and make it okay to not give gifts. Uh, Find ways to maybe if you feel like you have to give something to do something more personal, write someone a beautiful letter, make something that comes from the heart or just text them something really beautiful. But let's remove the demand to receive or give gifts. It's not what the holidays are about, and we shouldn't have to purchase and spend money to demonstrate love care, love and care for someone. But for those that are gonna still be shopping, uh, I wanna remind you to shop local. These big, big, big corporate structure companies don't need any more money. The, the people that are running them are billionaires. Please shop locally. The mom and pop shops, they, they're the ones that live paycheck to paycheck, and they will very much thank you. So try to do as local as you can with all your shopping. Go to those small stores that are, again, independently owned. Do all your spending there. That's how they pay their rent directly. You know what I mean? They're not making money off the labor of other people. God bless people like Jeff Bezos, who's just making billions and billions. Don't shop on Amazon. Go to the small local owned. And also try to buy from queer people and people of color. Um, that's always my first thought is, can I find something local? Is it queer owned? Is it black owned or person of color? Black, queer, and local. I mean, that's the holy grail trifecta. So always do that and also consider shopping online. The COVID is skyrocketing. And if you cannot have to go out into the stores and crowds, do some online shopping. Stores also often allow you to do curbside pickup. So special, you know, focus on those places specifically. Because again, as I keep saying, and I will keep reminding you, it's going to be different this year, but that doesn't mean it's not as good. It doesn't mean it's canceled. It doesn't mean it's broken. It's not bad. It's just different. We're getting more creative. So remember that. So shop local, shop online, and possibly don't even give gifts this year. Excuse me, don't give gifts. Just shift that. That's kind of what I'm doing. I'm not giving anyone a gift this year. That's just not what the holidays are going to be about for me. You know, it's going to be about just an expression of care and love and taking some time away because I will be driving up the coast for two weeks with my babe. And um, yeah, going off grid. Cannot wait. I've earned it. But you don't have to earn vacations or rest. Let me circle back and say that. You inherently have a right to that just because you're a human being and we're allowed to center our lives in joy and pleasure. You don't have to work hard to earn that. But uh, question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. Coming up next, though, we're going to talk about love. Yep. Mushy, gushy love. No, not so much. We're going to really talk about what it is because it's something that most people deeply understand, uh, misunderstand, excuse me. And I think that's the uh, flaw in a lot of people's relationships. So we're going to be unpacking that. And then, of course, sliding into those DMs. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we are back. Question of the night up on our Loveline IG page. In the stories, weigh in on that. That's always good stuff. I always like hearing what you guys have to say. So, um... Don't just be a taker. Get on there and give. Give a little bit. It's the holiday seasons. <laughs> give us a few thoughts and answers. Uh, got a great show, though. Plan we're going to be talking later about dating apps. Uh, there's a new one that came out, and I wanted to just kind of highlight the work that they're doing because it's stunning. Raises the bar. We need to expect more and better. And then uh, also we're going to talk about how the education system can uh, kind of better step it up and serve the needs of students right now. But I wanted to start by talking about love. So it's something that everyone seeks. 
in some capacity. In fact, we don't thrive without it. Our nervous systems, our brains are very much a social organ, meaning that they are built and thrive when saturated and connected to others. It's a lie that we can do things on our own. In fact, no one actually ever does. If you literally break it on down, every component of your path to wherever you're trying to go is laid, supported, or somehow involves the work of someone else. It's just, it's just a fallacy that you do things on your own. So what that means is uh, love is an important component that we all need some level of access to. And we really often confuse love with things like <clears throat> lust or cathecting. I know, that's a word. People are like, cathecting, what is that? Now, it's a clunky term. And it really comes out of some deep psychoanalytic research and literature. And I think that it really highlights an important message. So it's going to be conceptual what I'm talking about. So the first thing is this. Know that there's a difference in loving someone or cathecting someone. And I'm only using this big clunky term just to have a concept to compare and contrast with what love really looks like. So what is love? First off, love is about supporting this other person. Okay, so love is other focused. Love is not about me or you or what we want or what we need. Now again, the caveat is I'm not saying have no boundaries, I'm not saying have no wants or needs. That's not what this segment is about, okay? This segment is about love, which is about us focusing on how we are engaging the other. Again, I really want us to think about ourselves. I don't want you to use the concepts I bring up on Loveline as a way to assess others all the time. We're, we're looking at what we're doing first. So are we truly loving our partner? Again, that would look like really supporting their liberation and their expansion. If you love someone, you want them to grow. You want what's in their best interest. Love is not about what's in our best interest. And we've talked about that with parents that have gay or trans children, that love is about what that child needs. What does that child need? What's in their best interest? It's not about what you want. It's not about what makes you comfortable. It's not about you not doing things that make you anxious. It's about them. That is love, right? Love seeks to make the person we love happy. What again is in their best interest? What will serve them? Now, love is not about ownership. That's our anxiety. And in romantic relationships, often people think that when you love someone, the act of love is expressed by being jealous, trying to control them, trying to limit who they have access to, looking at who they're following on social media, what they're commenting, who they're liking. All that's just anxiety and fear. That's not about love. Again, I'm not saying don't have boundaries. I'm not saying don't have commitments. I'm not saying it's not about trust. We're just talking about the concept of love and what that looks like in practice and theory. So again, love is not about owning. Love is about supporting someone else's best interests. But that also means that we have to help to dismantle the systems and the institutions that harm the people we love. Again, let's go back to the example of loving someone who let's say is gay or trans or black. It'd be about helping dismantle racism, homophobia and transphobia because if you love someone and you want them to be happy and you support and care for who they are and their expansion and their authenticity, part of that has to be What's harming them? What systems or individuals are getting in the way of them living their life in a, in a safe, healthy, authentic way? That has to be built in there. So again, we have to be working on those systems. Love is also about empowering the other, our child, our husband, our boyfriend, our family member. How can we help empower them, not disempower them? We're trying to control them and take their power away. That's not love. We'll get back to what that actually is, but that's not love. Because love is about, I want the person I love to feel empowered. When they're around me, I want them to feel better. 
I want them to feel uplifted. I want them to know I'm there for them. Because if someone being around you makes them feel less supported, less less cared for, shrunken down, that's not love. Love also doesn't cause suffering for the other. Anything you're doing that harms your partner or someone you care for, you have stepped out of love. Love never holds space or involves something that harms, period. People will misuse it. I did that because I love you. No, you didn't. If you harmed me, you were acting from your own needs and desires, right? That's an important part of this because love always has respect and compassion, right? But we have capitalism, which I keep seeing and consumerism, the consumerism, the concepts of that keep showing up in the relationships I'm working with in my private practice. I've been working with patients for almost two decades and I consistently see that they're not acting, living, or practicing love. They're practicing ownership. Uh, You're my husband, wife, boyfriend, or girlfriend. You're my child. I think I own you. And everything I do is actually driven by trying, for me, it's all about me trying to feel safe or connected, right? And it really distorts love. Now, the trap, right, is that some relationships provide so much lust, so much fun, so much attention, and we put so much time into them that people think that means that they're loved. Well, clearly they love me. They give me a lot of love. I'm sorry, someone might say clearly they love me because they give me so much attention. We have a lot of fun together. That's not love. That is not what love is. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to unpack further what it is and also what it's not. We're going to go back to that big word, cathecting. I know. I'm going to start giving you some vocabulary words, like 10 cents words, (laughs) 10 cent words. All right, y'all, you are listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we are back. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. So weigh in on that. And then, of course, later in the show, we'll be sliding on to them DMs. And uh, we're also going to be talking about dating apps. Um, I know, it's good stuff. I always find it so fascinating. Every time I turn around, there's a new one that's developed. But they keep getting better, more specific. And also, they keep having better ethics. So we're going to break that down later in the show. But we're continuing our discussion on love. Because as I was saying in the earlier segment that uh, after doing this work for two decades, traveling the country, lecturing as well, people don't understand love and they confuse it. And they confuse it for this concept, right? It's a big word called cathecting. Don't get hung up on the word. Don't go research the definition. It's uh, often problematically written about it. People get very confused. I just am trying to um, kind of juxtapose two terms. So what we were saying initially is that love is always about you being better for this other person, whether it's a child, whether it's a family member, a student, someone you're having a romantic relationship with, whatever it is, a friend. Love is about how can I empower that person. Love is about what does that person need to make them happy. Love is about what can I do to make them feel free. How can I, again, be a beneficial presence in their life? But if you're relating to someone from a place of, I don't ever want to be made uncomfortable, I don't ever want to be scared, I want to, I want to own them, I want to control them and limit them, I want to shrink their life down, and they're doing less, seeing less people, that's not love. You're just living from fear and anxiety, right? And I was saying earlier that the trap is that people will confuse the fact that maybe someone gives them a lot of attention, maybe they spend a lot of time together, maybe you know affection is there and romance, but that doesn't mean they're loved. Love is a practice, and that practice is one of empowerment, freedom. What does this person in front of me actually need? It's not about what I need, 
my needs are not coming first. Again, I'm not saying we don't have needs, we don't have wants, we don't have boundaries. It's not about that. That's a whole nother conversation. This conversation is just about what does the practice of love actually look like? So here's the, here's the opposite. And this is what people confuse as being love, but isn't. So if you care for someone, right? You show them some care, you look out for them and you desire them. That's not love. When you're only allowing things to occur to the limits of your own comfort, that's not love. That's cathecting someone. To cathect someone means to support them as long as their needs do not make you uncomfortable. You love them to your limits. It's not love though, but that's what many people would say. Cathecting someone is when you set limits to keep you from getting anxious, from you getting uncomfortable, right? Because you don't want to grow. And I say all the time, being in a relationship, it's okay if your partner's uncomfortable with some of the things you're doing. Your job as a partner in a relationship is not to make sure you never ever disrupt or make your partner unhappy. So the best example I give is pets. And this floors some people. We don't love our pets, we cathect them. We definitely care for our pets, but we demand that our pets live within our limits and our comfort. We do not support their full actualization, self-actualization. We do not support their authenticity. We do not support their empowerment or freedom. We care for them. We give them attention, but we have limits on how much we'll let them grow and expand. We put limits on them based on our needs and our comfort. That is not love. It's something else. It's cathecting. It's care. It's not love though. And I don't care about the pet topic. I don't want to get into a debate about loving pets. It's more about your partner deserves better than what we afford our pets. And if you're treating your partner the way you treat a pet, where you'll give it care, you'll give it some attention, you'll spend money on it, but you set limits to your own needs and and to not letting yourself get anxious, that is not love. Because love would say, I'm willing to be uncomfortable for your benefit and your expansion. You You might be friends with your ex and that's important to you. And so I support that even if I don't feel comfortable with that because to love you is to let your life be expansive and to let you move towards things that make you happy. But again, that's all within the confines of people you trust. If you don't trust your partner or you're not worthy of trust, then none of this applies. You, are, you should not even be with that person. Focus on getting out of that. <laughs> this is all done with the understanding that you're with someone who's healthy and that you trust. And if not, go figure that out. Go be with someone that you can practice this stuff with. But again, Cathecting someone is about those limits. It's about our comfort. It's about limiting them, not empowering them, not having their life be expansive. That's not what love is. And so sometimes love makes you anxious. Love is when the parent says, I, I don't understand trans identity, but I know that that's, clean, that's who you are and what you need. And so I'll learn about it. I'll support that. Love is a parent. Let me use parental, parental examples. Love is a parent saying, you're gay, you're lesbian, you're non-binary. I don't understand that. I might not value that, but you know what? That's who you are. And love is to support what you need and what you want in your authenticity. And so have at it. Love as a parent is also maybe saying, I wanted you to go to school closer to home, but I know that you want to move across the country and live in a big city. So I support that because it's about what you need, not about my anxiety and my comfort, right? Because love demands that we grow. Love demands that we support the growth and the needs of this other right? And that will often make us anxious, but that is exactly how you know that you are letting love be the guiding point of your relationship because at times you are put out or anxious. It's a really heavy thing. Sit with that. Coming up next, going to be sliding into those DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. And uh, before we slide in the DMs, I just want to share with you some good stuff that's going on uh, within different cities. Hopefully more of this to come. Governor Cuomo, he's the governor of New York City. Uh, He's part of a new program. They're going to be launching free 
hear that, free online platforms for New Yorkers to learn new skills, earn certificates, and advance their careers. That is what good government looks like. It's really heartbreaking when they're putting full responsibility on individuals. Yes, you want people to stay home, but the people that can't afford to stay home don't have a choice. And a lot of the frontline workers don't have any, any access to other employment opportunities or finances necessarily. And so they're forced to enter unsafe conditions. I'm working with some individuals who have family members that do not feel safe going to work, but don't feel like they have a choice. So I hope other states step forward realizing that, you know, the economics of a COVID shutdown, which is very necessary, that the uh, impact of that has to fall on local, uh, local state and federal government. So again, New York City launching a platform for free where people can learn skills and certificates and advance their careers. That is what good leadership looks like, and that's what we need. Um, I wish we were always providing things like that. I'm very much an academic. I've done two doctoral programs. Clearly, I love education, but not everyone has access to the funds needed. Do you know how expensive it is to file an application to apply to a school and then to relocate and then to figure out books, which are expensive, and meals and housing? Everyone should have a right to an education. And so academia is often very racist and elitist and classist because not everyone has equal opportunity in just trying to get through the doors, not to mention what it takes to stay there. You know, access to a laptop, Wi-Fi. We don't really consider these things, which is why, you know, having people go home, uh, going to school from home isn't necessarily doable by everyone. Like I've said before, not everyone has Wi-Fi or a computer or enough computers for everyone or a parent needs it to be working from home. Um, I shared with you how I saw a meme, not a meme, but a photo of two kids outside of a Taco Bell to try to get free Wi-Fi to do their homework. So states need to step up. All right, now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore confidence. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, wanted to get your advice on something. So I haven't told any family about my pregnancy because I'm a single mother by choice and got pregnant non-traditionally. My parents are high anxiety with low emotional skills and are not very supportive. Boundaries are crucial because they sap my emotional strength. I want to protect myself because of COVID and the negativity. Is it wrong of me to want to tell them after, God willing, I've delivered the baby? I'm blessed with a super supportive brother and we've worked hard to construct healthy adult relationships and break the patterns of our larger family. Uh, he is already being a great uncle, but sometimes I know he feels guilty, should I? Well, first off, I applaud that last statement, that you and your brother are working very hard to break patterns of your family. That's hard, and unfortunately, it does fall on the children. No, you get to have boundaries and privacy. Every individual does. If you're married, you get to have boundaries and privacy from your husband or wife. You get to have them from your family member, your friends. You even get to have them with your therapist. You don't have to tell anyone anything, that you're pregnant, that you're gay, that you're trans, unless you feel safe doing so, because it's a compliment when you wanna make personal and private disclosures to someone, but they have to earn that right. And they earn that right with emotional maturity and they earn that right with trust and they earn that right with respect. And so you tell your family and anyone else in your life that you're pregnant when you feel safe and you feel ready to and not a moment before, and there's no guilt needed. That guilt is coming from heteronormative culture and family dynamics where parents are in a position of power. All of that is not real. That is not needing to be respected. It is your body. It is your choice. It is your life, and you decide. And that goes for all these different topics. It's I don't like people being forced or feeling compelled to disclose something that they're not ready to disclose, or more importantly, to disclose to someone who isn't safe to be given that information. Um, 
So, you know, you get to hold that back, whether we're talking about addiction, recovery, mental health issues, medications, employment status, that's privacy and boundaries. And again, we decide who, when, and where that is disclosed, if at all, you know, and that comes up even with married couples. They somehow think that they have a right to have access to everything and anything, including people's private phone conversations or emails. You don't. That's called poorly boundaried and emotionally abusive. And we have to, we have to stop normalizing and allowing that. So I'm proud of you. Your family isn't mature enough or emotionally healthy enough to be given this information. So you tell them when you're ready and not a moment before, all right? Uh, coming up next, uh, we're going to be talking about dating apps, teacher fairness. I know it's important stuff because some of these topics have a new weight and energy to them because of COVID. And then, of course, we'll be sliding into those DMs. But Question of the Night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. So weigh in on that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty, right. We are back. Uh, let's talk a little bit about love and dating apps. Hundreds upon thousands of people are joining them every single day, the ads say. <laughs> and I love that because I want people to have love, care, and support. That's really what it's about. Uh, I want to get rid of this shame that some people still have about saying, I want a boyfriend. I want a girlfriend. I want love. What a beautiful thing to express. I, I follow this person on Instagram, um, also on Twitter, and they're... Um, it doesn't even really matter what, what they what they do, but they're an activist. And I remember one time, um, he's male, male identified, and he said, uh, I'm probably going to delete this tweet, but I really want a boyfriend. And I thought, and I tweeted back at him. I actually, I privately DM'd him and I said, thank you for posting that because so many people have shame and anxiety about acknowledging that maybe they're lonely or that they want partnership. And it's such a profoundly beautiful but inspiring thing in our culture for people to say that. And it shouldn't be. There should be no shame in someone saying that they want love. There also should be no shame in saying that you met on an app, which thankfully is very normalized, but there are still some people that 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 make up backstories, which is shocking to me because I don't know why there should be shame as to the method through which you met someone. Um, but hey, so that's why I'm always trying to normalize the use of apps because that's where it's happening, especially during COVID. Y'all, we ain't out there meeting people. And if you are, shame, shame, shame on you. But uh, people are going online and I'm all about that. Now is a great time to fall in love and meet someone. It's the holidays, colder weather. People have been locked down for a long period of time. We're lonely, you know, we have solitude, isolation. And none of that has to be bad, right? There's nothing wrong with singledom or solitude. That's actually when the most transformative things can happen. I so value my solitude. In fact, I build it in, I need it. I need a lot of it. And I always make sure I'm getting it, you know, regardless of what's going on in my life. Now, what's really great is there's a proliferation of tons of different kinds of apps because People are seeking all different things, and I love that. And not the you know the standard ones, those um, you know OkCupid's and Tinders. They're trying to step their game up by having different gender options and relational structures, whether you're monogamous or poly or whatever it is. But it still misses some of the targets. So I recently found out about and wanted to work with a new app called HUD H U D HUD app. And this is really inspiring to me because the bar is getting set high and the standards are changing. And this app really focuses on empowerment and inclusivity. And I love that. 
Because a lot of people go on online dating and they wind up being harmed by it because people aren't taking responsibility and it really lacks ethics in the ways that they're creating their profiles, the way that they're showing up, the way that they're engaging others. And we don't go on apps to harm people. It shouldn't be something that's weaponized. It shouldn't be a tool for people to feel worse off. Life is hard enough as it is. I want people to use the apps and leave them feeling better or at least neutral. I always, always, always give people that framework. So the HUD app, H-U-D, it also holds space for what they call commitment-free dating because not everyone's necessarily ready for marriage or monogamy or a long-term relationship. And it holds space for it to be whatever it ends up being, but it really allows people to specialize both the kinds of things that they desire and what arouses them and what turns them on. And it's very bold and empowering, but I love the idea that it also holds space for people to openly say, I'm not looking for something serious. I want something casual. I want to participate in hookup culture because there's a lot of assumptions that are made on dating apps and people are sometimes harmed or disappointed or let down because someone misunderstood or there's miscommunication on both ends. Someone wanting something serious and getting let down or something or someone wanting something casual and really feeling let down right and we're also in the time of covid and the hud app has a covid friendly in-app video chat now that's the wave of the future because i want people to feel safe about who they're engaging and i want people to know that it's actually the person who they claim to be right and so they'll blur your face until you're ready to get more comfortable think about that you can safely connect with someone on the app through a video chat, but you can blur yourself so that you're first hearing them, you're, you're kind of grounding yourself, you're connecting, you're talking, and you're building up comfort. I love that because not everyone uses the apps appropriately. Some of them use those face timing components to really misuse this, the app and expose themselves or force someone into something they're not ready for or looking for. And so as you get comfortable, you can unblur yourself. And here's the best part. It's 100% human moderated because they have an anti-harassment customer care team. Hi, can all, can all the apps do that please? A human moderated anti-harassment team. That is where we should all be going because again, we don't enter into the search for love or sexuality or romance trying to harm ourselves or others and we want some accountability and responsibility. So I think that that's really beautiful and I want all the other apps to kind of step their game up and to really put some ethics in there. And, and we had talked in the past about Grinder did a huge campaign called Kinder, where they're trying to get rid of sexual racism and body shaming because a lot of people on their profiles will just, in a, in a broad sweep, just rule out certain body types, certain races, certain gender expressions. And that shouldn't be the case, that someone has to log on and encounter that, right? That's something that you can keep to yourself. And so I love that there's an evolution and I love that there's an ethic and level of care. So check out the HUD app and I'll continue to report on any of the apps that really bring forward more uh, inclusive, more empowerment-based standards of care, which is really what healthy sex and relationships are about. So props to them, good stuff. Um, all right, coming up next, we're gonna talk about teacher fairness. What does that mean? Well, it means looking at the impact that the educational system and the current structure has on our mental health and our public health, right? Because we're in a time of COVID, which means a lot of moving parts. <laughs> it's not just comfortably at home, in the best environments, no stress. There's a lot going on right now. So we have to kind of meet the needs of people, right? And our students not have them squeeze in meet our needs. All right, we'll be talking about that when we come up, come back, and then a question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty, we're back. We're talking about the educational system. <laughs> Why? Well, it's the center point for a lot of people's lives. If you're of school age, uh, grade school, high school, possibly college, possibly beyond, 
it's the center point. Uh, so much time and attention, so much money is funneled into that. And the APA, the American Psychological Association, put out a report on what they're calling compassionate flexibility. I love that. That's what we should be folding into all of our lives in every, in every element. Look, just sit with that, compassionate flexibility. Compassionate means I'm looking out for the needs of others and the impact that myself or the system's having on them. And flexibility, again, meeting them where they're at, which is, which is the most important thing. Um, so they're rethinking policies and deadlines. And that's what they're asking of school systems. Rethink your policies of what you demand and expect and also deadlines in the time of COVID. Because look, more than I think most of us in the length of our entire careers, we've never encountered something like this with so many limits, so many triggers, so much trauma, so much emotionality, right? And what does fairness mean at a time like this? Can we have the same expectation on everyone? We can't. I've said this before, not everyone has Wi-Fi. Not everyone has good Wi-Fi. Not everyone has more than one computer. Not everyone even has a computer. What do you do if you're a family where there's multiple people needing to go to school and you have one, one, one computer or no computer or, or not good Wi-Fi, or Wi-Fi and one of the parents or caregivers has to be online for work? Multiple kids have to go to school. That, I mean, I saw a heartbreaking meme of two students outside of, I think it was like a Taco Bell because they had Wi-Fi sitting across the street to use the Wi-Fi because they didn't, they couldn't afford it, didn't have it at home. I also saw a story, this also hurt my heart, of someone not having a, a computer and they were typing their papers in the notes section on their phone. Could you imagine doing that? But that's what this person had to do. Heartbreaking. So we can't have the same expectations on everyone ever. And that's one of the problems with standardized education and syllabi is that it's the same for everyone. There's no such thing. There's this thing called psychology and, that, and everyone's is different. It's also ableist, ignoring the needs of people with disabilities to say, I expect you all to be on time. I expect you all to be sitting upright. I expect you all to have, you can't, that is not realistic. That is not fair. And that is not centering mental health. And some schools are just not allowing delays. They're not allowing the miss of assignments. It's heartbreaking. So basically the APA is just saying, hey, um, educators, teachers, professors, please don't put the, the, your needs or the syllabus's needs or the school's needs above the, 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 the context of what's going on in these people's lives. And we have to let go a little bit. I'm talking about the parents too. Let go, let your kids step later. Let them eat the food you might not want them to eat. Let them play more. This is not the time to further traumatize. We're still not 100% aware of what we're gonna come out of this like. And we talk about the syndromes. Um, and we know through adverse conditions and adverse living situations that there's three, um, three phases. You know, the first phase, and I, I personally went through all of these, the first phase is one of anxiety and excitement. And anxiety and excitement tend to kind of feed into each other. When COVID first started happening, it was horrifying. It was very anxiety inducing, but there's a stimulation in that where I would just be like, what's gonna happen next? What's going on? And we definitely have an inner, we're a lot of adrenaline, right? So the first phase is always anxiety towards the excitement of what's happening or the fear, but it's, it's anxiety with adrenaline, we're pumped up. Then we swoop into at some point the second phase, and I'm saying these phases to normalize. The second phase is one of depression, where we actually drop and we flatten out. And that happens after whatever we're going through, right, COVID or these new living situations or whatever it is, once that's kind of become a little more normalized and it plateaus, we drop into a depression. We start to get bored, you know, and think about that. I remember again, early COVID, very excited, very dynamic, anxious, and then all of a sudden it got really boring and it flattened out and it was depressive because I was like, wow, I'm never leaving my home. No one's here but my cat, not going anywhere. This isn't anxiety inducing anymore. This isn't fun. This isn't stimulating. This is boring. This is depressing. And you flatten out. 
So normalize that. I wait in my patients to see when they flatten out, when they move into a new home, when they get into a new relationship, a new job, but especially in this COVID time, flatten. Okay, the third phase. Now, usually the third phase we can map out a little better because it happens after the halfway mark. Well, with COVID, we can't even begin to decide when that is. But naturally, we move through the phases anyway. Our brains aren't necessarily looking at a calendar. But when we can look at a calendar, when we know that this is for a week, 30 days, 90 days a year, after about the halfway mark, you move into the third phase. It's called the third phase syndrome sometimes. So we're naturally gonna move in there whenever your body naturally pushes you in there. And I'm in there now. I've moved out of my depression and boredom phase, and now I'm into the third phase syndrome, which is more about aggression. It's like a spike in energy, and that can either be positive and transformative, like it has been on me, where I'm like finding places I can go that are safe. I'm getting out of the house. I've gotten back to reading and creating, and I'm working on my next book. But for others, that aggression becomes more about the negative aggression, the negative energy, where they're fighting, they're getting abusive, they're name-calling. We want to know that we can channel all of that energy, that spike in that third syndrome into something more positive and transformative and push it towards hobbies and things like that. But some people, it's now that we're seeing a lot of domestic violence, we're seeing marital spats, we're seeing separation. I'm seeing it in my office. Literally in the past week or two, everyone that is in a relationship has started moving into the aggressive phase. They're fighting, they're separating, they're talking about divorce. It's quite heartbreaking to see, but I want to normalize it. And I want people to know that if that's coming, try to start channeling it into hobbies, into maybe fitness and exercise, into cooking, whatever it is. Cooking more, I don't know. But know that as you're alleviating out of that depression and boredom, start to channel it, have, have it ready. Knowing what's coming, we can better prepare for it, you know? So that's always, that's always the goal. And that's what we do in times of powerlessness and hopelessness. We try to get a sense of control, a sense of mastery. What do I have control over? What can I manage? What can I change? Sometimes it's just things in your room. Sometimes it's just things in your home. But sometimes it's larger things in your world. And I realized that. So I started making those changes. So I felt empowered in the ways that I could. Because the world at large, right, COVID and what's available to me is a... Uh, I'm at the mercy of that, you know, so we got to do what we can. All right, y'all, coming up next, question of the night. So still some time to weigh in on that. That is on our Loveline IG page in the stories. And then, of course, we'll be doing some DMs and closing out the show. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Heartbreaking news. I don't know if you guys are following this. Trump, again, who's not a friend or supporter of the LGBTQIA community. Uh, Trump has appointed a judge. Ugh, shocker. And one of his appointed, I'm sorry, he didn't just appoint a judge. It's one of his appointed judges has struck down a ban on conversion therapy. Now, it was a huge win when this ban was put in place. And conversion therapy is a psychologically traumatic experience where therapy is forced upon someone. Even, even I don't believe in free choice to choose such a thing because what drives someone to want to get rid of or wanting to, yeah, try to get rid of their gay identity is homophobia. And that is something that they're a victim to and they've internalized it. So they're making that choice under duress. And, you know, every organization that is mental health related has said that they do not support this and that it leads to further mental health issues, including suicidality. So not only is this homophobic as all hell, it's also mentally abusive and a, a ban was put in place, but that has been overturned, um, even though this is a therapy that's been debunked. So this is not good news. And again, conversion therapy is any set of methods or practices that seek to alter a person's gender identity or sexuality, and that is anything from praying the gay way to acts of torture. Evidence, and I'm reading from an article, evidence says that these practices are not, excuse me, only ineffective, 
but also result in depression and suicide attempts. And the Trevor Project, who is an organization that tries to prevent suicidality in the gay community, research has showed that youth who underwent the process were more than twice as likely to report having attempted suicide as those that did not. And, you know, in America, the practice is opposed by everyone, including the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Medical Association, American Psychological Association, the Human Rights Campaign. And uh, it's been banned in countries like Germany, Ecuador, Brazil, Taiwan. This is a mess. This is really a mess. And this is heart wrenching. And this is why we need to get people like Trump out of office. Um, And that's why people that support Trump are just not supporters of the LGBTQIA community. Um, They're homophobes, they're bigots, they're racist. And this is just tying into that and further supporting that. Anyone that's supporting people like this in positions of power that are harming lower empowered individuals, people that are already exploited and marginalized, this is heart wrenching and heartbreaking. So um, we'll keep tracking this. We need to do better though, you know? this is why we got to get, you know, well, we got to see what happens with Biden and Kamala. I mean, they, you know, they won, but, uh, you know, people are sitting there with bated breath to see what Trump does. He's pulling at straws at this point to try to stay in power, but I never, ever underestimate, uh, underestimate his complete socio, you know, sociopathy and uh, narcissism. So we'll see what happens. But uh, time for question of the night. Tonight's question of the night is, as lockdown continues to be put back in effect, Many states have been rolling it back and rolling it back and rolling it back. And again, we have to because y'all just won't stay home. Y'all insist on still going about your life as though people aren't dying and the numbers are skyrocketing. It's heartbreaking. So as the lockdown continues to go back in place, how are you really feeling about all this? First person said, honestly, I'm over it. I just feel like these new lockdown rules aren't going to be followed. We had one shot and this failed and now people are taking their chances but they're taking their chances at things that are ridiculous. People are willing to risk death or giving someone else an infection that could kill them so that they can still go to the gym, go to a house party, go to see their family for the holiday. Come on, be better than that. You know what I mean? Like it's it's so heart-wrenching to see that people aren't caring about the impact on others. Someone else said, I just feel like people in the US are so selfish. I agree. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed at the US based on how we're handling self-isolation as well as um, the Trump election still. This person said, though, I feel like the U.S. everyone's selfish. I have friends in Canada and London, and they watch us like we're a reality TV show, which we kind of are. I agree. People that I'm friends with from out of the country are constantly being like, what are you guys doing? And I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even want to be here anymore. You know what I mean? And that's why I'm definitely not a nationalist. I see the American flag, and all I can think of is Trump and the Confederacy. Like, It's so fascinating how uh, pride for our country has just gone down the toilet. We're just not worthy of it. Um, question night is again, as lockdown goes back in place, how are you really feeling about this? Someone else said, so Trump is just going to sit and cry until January 20th and not do anything. I know, I know, I know we're waiting and watching. (laughs) Somebody else said, I'm tired and I have anxiety every day for no reason. It seems like, well, there's a reason why we're watching tons of people die. We have a psychopath in the office still and, um, cold weather's coming. You know what I mean? Holidays alone. There's a lot to kind of feel wonky about, you know? It's very reasonable. That's how a lot of people are feeling. Again, question is, as the lockdowns come back, lockdowns come back in effect, how are you really feeling about this? Someone said, my wife and I have been fighting way more in the last few weeks, it seems like. Tensions are so high everywhere. I know. That's what I'm saying to everyone. We need to, like, take some space, take a breath, you know, right-size everything, let things go if we can let them go. And someone else said, exhausted. 
when is this vaccine coming? Well, not only when is the vaccine coming, but then we have to battle people to take the vaccine because we got to bump up against those anti-vaxxers. We have people that don't even think COVID's a real thing. We have people that think that the tests are being used to infect people with COVID. I mean, this is the this is the lack of education and ignorance that we're up against. So it's like, God knows when that's going to happen. All right, y'all. Thanks to those that uh, participated. Question of the Night is back up on our Loveline AG page in the stories. Coming up next, DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Uh, Kristen Stewart, I love this. And Mackenzie Davis, I'm not familiar with her, but uh, they're going to be starring in a gay Christmas movie. I love stuff like this. So uh, the movie's called Happiest Season, and it's the first mainstream festive rom-com about a same-sex couple. They talk about friendship, tons of queer content, and lots of love. This is awesome. Uh, it's directed by Clea Duvall. Actually, yeah, she's another queer actress. This is amazing. Everyone deserves to see themselves reflected up in a film. And it's important for straight uh, and hetero children to also see gay couples in love, flourishing, thriving, and to have a better understanding of diversity, you know? And so um, please let all children watch a show like that. Gay couples exist happily, and it's an option for everyone. And um, Oh, I love stuff like that. I know also that Jonathan Bennett is starring in the first gay Hallmark movie, which is interesting because Hallmark usually tends to be a little heavily Christian, which tends to be often heavily anti-gay. And I'm sure, I, I, we already know that that's going to create a lot of trouble. Um, good. You know, I mean, that's how change is made. Like, look at what we've done to Black Lives Matter movement, slowly getting more inclusion, uh, getting new laws passed, defunding the police, so many important things. And that's because of um, being very loud. Activism is loud. Activism is disruptive. You don't get anywhere by just being quiet and polite. That's not how change happens. Look at how women got the right to vote. Look at how we got abortion laws passed. Look at how black lives got, got some attention finally. Look at the gay rights movement, Civ uh, um, Stonewall, and over here in L.A., which actually happened before Stonewall, the black cat in L.A., we had a pre-Stonewall, Stonewall situation. And that came from fighting back, throwing rocks, black, queer, trans sex workers. It was sex workers. We leave that term out that we're at Stonewall and here at the black cat. Um, so change is loud. Change is disruptive. It doesn't happen by being quiet and polite. So be loud. Be dangerous in that way. Um, that's how it happens. So, yeah, more gay film, more gay television shows, more gay music. You know, we have to normalize that. We have to bring that creativity and diversity. Um, all right, y'all. Time to slide into those DMs, though. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. And we want you to explore the confidence. Hey, Dr. Chris, is there such a thing as moving on too fast? Nope. There's no right way to move on. Slow, fast. There's no right, there's no right way to move into a relationship. You got to go based on what you're comfortable with. And if you trust yourself and you know that you'll set the boundaries as needed, there's no such thing as too fast for anything or too slow. Uh, you just, but the question says, I was on and off with this girl for about three years. And ultimately, we broke up because we haven't had sex for most of that time. Yeah, you guys aren't sexually compatible. You're meant to be friends. That's okay. Or you're meant to be in an open relationship. But, you know, monogamy is supposed to be for people that have sexual compatibility. Otherwise, you're just creating unneeded complexity. And that's why early on when we have sex with someone we're dating or the people we're dating, it's to explore sexual compatibility to decide if we should be committed sex partners. And 
like anything else where you're trying to have a partner with a sport or a co-writer or whatever it is, if you guys don't have a similar style and you're not compatible, that's not the right partner for you around that activity. Sex is no different nor is romance, right? Um, but the question goes back to say at first, she wanted to be a lesbian for me, but she just couldn't sexually. Two weeks after we broke up, I met another girl. We talk every day nonstop since we met, which was about four months ago, and I already feel such a deep connection. My question is, am I just trying to move on too fast? No, no, you're not. It's okay to go from relationship to relationship. Don't work on being single unless you want to be single. But if your ultimate goal and your preference is relationship, which is mine, I do best in relationships. I'm single for small, small windows of time. And that's okay. Studies show the length of time between relationships does not dictate the health of the future relationship. What does is the health of the people in it. It's not about speed. It's about the health of the people in the relationship. And so, yes, if your past girlfriend was not a lesbian and was not comfortable with same-sexed sex, then you were not meant to be in a romantic sexual relationship, right? You're meant to be friends. So I hope you and her maintain a friendship and you can move into a sexual romantic relationship with this new amazing person. Be single only if you want to be single. But the whole idea of you have to learn how to be single, that's not true. Only learn how to be single if that's something that's important and interesting and a goal for you. And if relationship is your goal, work on being a better relational partner. So congrats to you. Well done, especially during COVID and in this interesting, interesting time because now you have added joy and more support in your life. So props off, props to you. All right, y'all, that's our show. We'll be back tomorrow night, 10 p.m., uh, and also, if you want to check out past episodes, you can check them out at wearechannelq.com. They're all there. And then uh, tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about schoolcations, worst desserts, which a bunch of my favorite desserts made the worst dessert list. I love food. And uh, also talking about unhealthy relationship qualities because as the year wind downs and a new year begins, a lot of people want to start to make changes. So we got to know what those changes need to look like. But as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. And you have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.